Be brave enough to fight off despair. If you're a Gundam pilot, a new type, you can do it. Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zeta episodes 35 and 36. For this, week, this week we have Scotty P. This is where the show goes. Fuck Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was big. It was big. Uh... Little finger to that, and I, I, I couldn't figure out if that was a statement or just happened. They just threw a dart at the board, and it was Ireland. Dude, I mean, less Ireland than Australia, though, right? True. And we got Luke. Hello, I uh, like Ireland. I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never been there. I, I like their alcohol. I'm sure it's just a fine place. Yeah. And the only only couple of people I know from there are excellent. You know, they're good people. So look, that's just what the, that was just what the show was, was saying with these episodes, not me personally. I I like Ireland. I want to go there sometime. I, you know, I haven't been, but always sunny. Uh, I saw it on always sunny the last season and it looked a lot like California. Pretty different, but. Yeah, I could, I could imagine it. I could imagine that. Well, I'm pretty sure they filmed it in California. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They found a one Irish pub. And they said, eh, "Close enough." This one guy I know that knows a guy from Ireland that went here one time said it was kind of okay. And the bar's name was Tiernanog, like every other Irish bar. Hey, we have the Hibernian here. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there is also. There at least was also a, a Tiernanog at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one near us too. There's. Yeah. And this is not a chain. It's just, it's just what they call them. Yeah. There was another one. There's a real dive and I don't remember the name of it. It's been, a, it's been a long time, but I, I liked it a lot because it was really trashy. There was one near me when I lived a little bit further North. That was like a random bar and like the food was absolutely terrible, but it had great atmosphere. Oh yeah. 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 It was a great place for that six beers in atmosphere and only exactly. bet random people money at pool, but they don't really look dangerous. So it's fine. You only get shivved once or twice in your life. You better yeah. choose where you get it, you know? Yeah. They have clean knives off Glenwood. I mean, you know, anyway, so Lane needs to eat his dinner. So the, we're going to talk about how the Argama was in flight and the Mark II is like doing repairs or something on one of the runways. I guess it's just relegated now to uh, repair duty. Was and, it actually being repaired? It looked like it was just kind of hanging there. Uh, it's a real quick shot. Uh, so who knows? It would make sense, though, if they got like a like a really screwed up part of the runway. You might have to get one of the big suits out to like do the... I can see that. It looked like it had like electrical problems or something with that too, because it had like the sparks and crap coming out of it. So who knows? Maybe it wasn't moving right or something. Yeah. I wonder if those are like meant to be like the tops of air. I mean, functionally, they're like the top of an aircraft carrier, right? But do they have like that sort of black toppy thing going on? I wonder. I I just imagine we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but in two episodes, we see that exact part. They have like the runway lights on it. 
like that exact part of the ship. So maybe it looks like, like it. I just imagine the Mark II was like holding on to the uh, onto the Argama while it was like flying, and it was like, "Don't leave me, leave, me. Don't, don't go." I still function. Okay. Anyway, um, so on the bridge, they are getting a message from Hayato and the Aldumla, which is apparently kind of close by. And Hayato is asking Bright to head back to Dublin because they need to save as many as they can before the colony falls. And Bright is like, I'm sorry, what? What? Huh? And Hayato goes, yeah, so one of side four's colonies is falling. And then Argama zooms in on its scopes and they can see the Aldumla. So, yeah, we have a colony falling. And the, the title of the episode is Falling Sky. So, hey. You know, at this the point, the sky is falling, depending on who you ask. At this point in the sh- series, like if since you're going chronologically, you're like, ah, a third colony drop. If you're going time wise, it's only the second colony drop. Right. Yeah, 0083 takes the edge off of this a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, poor side four. Is there anything important on side four? Not anymore. <laughs> That's just those are those are the drop-in colonies. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they're just, there to drop. Like they're just <laughs> giant human missiles. Yeah. Uh, Origin makes all of the colony drops. Well, I guess like all of the subsequent ones feel so insignificant. You know, once you've seen Origin and there's all that, all that like build up to it, all the stuff you see that they had to do. Like they had to, you know, they painted the outside, they gassed everybody in there. It puts a giant crater in the earth. And then even in 0083, you get the, hey, we have to try to knock it off course. And we've got multiple episodes where we're trying to get it yeah, to, lead you know, turned around. Yeah. Here they're like, look, we have done screwed up. Uh, that thing is it's on the way down. It was like, let's evacuate like- people. It's like they got to a certain point in the story and they're like, all right, we need to start wrapping things up. Hey, wasn't side four where uh, all the Thunderbolt stuff happened? Yes. So you're probably right then. It it is just a junkyard of colonies. But remember, they moved the sides. So. Yeah, 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 that's right. They did uh, the reorganization, right? But that was in 0080. Four, something like that. Three. It depends on which series they got the map wrong, and then they went back. They're like, "Oh, well, see, here's what happened." <laughs> Let's just call it a junkyard of a column you know, side four. You know what side four eventually was? The headquarters of the Illuminati in G Savior. Yeah. Wow. It's definitely go. worth watching. Okay. Well. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I always took this, though, as this whole Earth operation is one thing, and the it's showing how the Ayug and Karaba are kind of out of sorts. The fact that Neo-Zeon can basically plan and execute a colony drop, and they don't really know until the thing is falling on their heads. Well, and it's funny because later on in a few episodes again, you get the comment of, yeah, you know, Ayug was rebuilding this whole time. They weren't doing much anything else. <laughs> no, no, they had to. 
they didn't have Rekawa to sit down and show people like the InfoWars videos like we saw in the in the movies. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. So Camille is back in the hospital having fits. Um, Judo visits, visits Paul, uh, who's freaking out next to Camille. So uh, basically. Remember, which is yeah. important. And, and remember in the lead up to the climactic moments in Zeta, and especially when he was uh, in scenes involving Rosamia, there were a lot of references about the sky falling. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're both presumably everyone on the colony is dead or dying. And, you know, the colony is being sent towards earth. So judo and pole who are the strongest new types at this point, right? Like judo is probably a better pilot than Camille ever was, but they haven't really shown him having like voodoo, like magical new type powers that much. Not Um, yet. Not yet. Um, so Camille is like Mr. Super new type as far as like, like emotions go. And so him and Paul are just kind of uncomfortable with what's happening. Um, and Paul actually meant, says that, uh, she can handle the pain when she's talking to judo, judo, but she says Camille is in trouble. So like, this is apparently so overwhelming that, uh, Camille's life may be in danger. I mean, I would, I would say his mental capacity, but like, it's clear his mental capacity is already shot. Um, and, uh, they talk about going to Dublin and, and Foz apparently worried about what will happen to Camille if they go to Dublin. Uh, hint, hint, a colony will fall on them. But, <laughs> well, I, I think what she's also talking about is because obviously their plan is to go there and then get the you know, GTFO in time. Yeah. yeah. But, the closer proximity Camille's right. new type senses are going to pick up the fear and suffering. And it, it's like some jet, they, they go real Jedi with the new like type a, powers in this part like of the show. Death metal detector. The closer he gets to death, the more he, his brain beeps. <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, so we should over to Rakan Dakaran or however you say his last name, Dakaran. I don't know. Um, he appears in dark lightning and or dark lighting and uh, like this really ominous view. And he is uh, he mentions that he is happy that Kahaman is finally dropping a colony. Like, I guess this was like plan B for for Haman for a while. And he's finally went to it. And yay. Um, yeah, well, he's it also they have Haman's words kind of narrating over it. And she basically says the whole point of this is terrorism we're showing our strength leave no hope to these people so that they don't rise up that's all this is is pure doing bad stuff so they fear us she will show neo zeon's power and stifle anyone from resisting them yeah this guy's uh he he basically says that this is his whole job like this is what he's been doing this is what he's here for and he's just been kind of standing around waiting for this to happen it's his job (laughs) imagine it's like some of like the really like super racist people that were working for Hitler. And they're like, ah, yeah, that's all. <laughs> all we really we're wanted were these death somebody. camps. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's basically that. Yeah. 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 He is Alito waiting for the rest of the docket for the summer. Um, oh God. Uh, anyway. I see. <clears throat> um, 
<laughs> where does he? Where does Scotty stand on that? I don't, <laughs> we just learned something. Um, anyway, uh, so the next time thing though, like the next scene here, we see Rakan on a ship's bridge talking about how he wants to live up to expectations, asking if Dublin's been cleared. But here's the, here's the thing: is that fancy fucking office he's in? Like, is he in an office somewhere getting the news of it, and then? we see him later on the ship or does he have that real fancy swanky looking office in I'm, the ship? I'm going to go based I, off of Glimmy's rooms and his ships that he has a really fancy fucking room in his ship. I imagine that that fancy room was like literally just one side door from the bridge. And it's right there. And he's just got like his own like office. I just, I just watched our flag means death. And it's like, he's got the chandelier room with all the books and shit on the boat. Like it's that. It would but be even, it'd be even better if it was like, he has like an, a room that's like, uh, imagine like some of the Star Trek rooms where it's like just like a bland gray room. But imagine cutting that room in half where, where you only point a camera at a certain angle and like the room is just like super bougie as fuck on that half of the like the camera. Like one wall. Yeah. <laughs> I want my ship office to smell of rich mahogany. <laughs> Um, so we learned that uh, Amuro has gone into space, so he can't help with uh, the Federation government or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Now, there is an Evolve episode that may or may not, we'll get to that when we get to it, explain what Amuro is doing. Um, it wasn't. It's not important enough to stop what we're doing and go watch it right here. They, they do just offhandedly mention that he's like not, they wish he was there, but he's like going back to space. Like that's all they, that's all they really say. They yeah. didn't have enough money for the voice actor for this episode. Well, it, this is, I think the, maybe not the first in hindsight, but this to me is the most very obvious, at least from this episode onward, stuff got changed because Char's counterattack they knew was happening well, at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we kind of hinted at it before. There was there right. was buildup to the colony drops before. There was, you know, and, and this is just very much like, hey, there's a colony drop in. Yeah. Well, and, and it was also like, oh, and, oh, but and Amaro is not here. Yeah. I think the, the main changes are when Glemmy kind of does that weird 180. But this is really, really for certain. Yeah. Um, so uh, we also learned that, uh, or Hayato says that the colony drop is essentially to neuter Ayug. Um, you know, Ayug was supposed to be protecting space. Caraba was prote- protecting the Earth, and this this is basically showing that they are powerless. Uh, is what Hayato is kind of getting at, I think. Um, and if you and if you look around, Bright and Hayato here. This is something that I think just because of the way that sometimes the ship or the background gets, you know, not drawn as nicely as the people or the foreground or the important things. We've been told a lot and only seen a little bit of how the Argama is beat to hell. But in these scenes, you can really, really see it because they're on this inside part and they're about to go to a part. It's like, used to be up and functioning and now they've just kind of got it like closed off. Like we're not even bothering with with this part fixing it. Yeah. Um, so bright, uh, 
is taking Hayato around the Argama, giving him a tour, and um, brings him to uh, Kata's room. Uh, and like Scotty had mentioned, this door, the door is all fucked up. But when they get into the room, uh, they do find a family picture. And uh, Bright kind of, you know, blames himself for Kotz's death. Uh, and this is the first part where we remember that Kotz actually died for a long time because it's been a while. It's been basically 40 episodes. <laughs> um and Bright tells Hayato that Camille can tell him about Kotz's death when Camille recovers from his psychosis or whatever is going on. Wait, and we also learned that Hayato knew about this already. That he has not told Frau and the other kids yet that Kotz is dead. And this has been, I don't have the little year. calendar notes handy. Yeah, it, it's been like nine months. Maybe not quite that long. Maybe like six or seven. Still a while. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We don't get a good sense of like how communication works in this era, right? Like, I mean, knowing what we know now with communication and like our, our even in our space, like you hear about people uh, to get contemporary again. Like you hear in news leaks that. Russian soldiers are calling their wives thousands of miles away and telling them about, you know, how they're, you know, going to, you know, murder a bunch of people or something along those lines. But like the, that communication is instantaneous, you know, across the world now. So the fact that these guys don't have that instant communication with their family and friends uh, is kind of crazy to think of in these days. What I, what I imagine is that they, in my head, they, had like instant communication and then like if you think about like talking to the space station there's like this big delay or whatever talking to like if different planets it would be like a big delay because of the amount of distance they have to travel they developed like new technology then Minoski pollution blah 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 magic science shit like they are back to like old like outdated technology or the equivalent thereof where it delays everything so much and, and I, that's that's how I picture it and justify it in my head well I mean we even we even see some of this in um like unicorn towards the end when they do the whole, you know, Laplace's block stuff that's supposed to like just change the world, but like it doesn't, but that's all. Is that a function of just like communication and, and universal century sucking or, or what, you know? Well, so that's, that's a different thing, but I, I, that I don't think has anything related to this. Uh, I think that's more of just information suppression, you know, Oh, it's fake news, blah, blah, blah. I think this is purely Hayato doesn't want to. I think that's all this is. He hasn't wanted to, and he has put it off. He's put off dealing with it. Oh, I, I just meant more from like Kotz's standpoint. I mean, I, I would imagine. No, yeah, Kotz, I mean, not, yeah, that's, I, that's what I was. Kotz as a person, while he was aboard the white base or the Argama or whatever, like would be in semi-regular communication with his family, like send send like a video message or something along those lines. So I would, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's one of those that we don't, yeah, we're not given a glimpse into how often they are communicating. We know that bright uh, doesn't, and that's about, about all with it. We really, (laughs) that's not surprising, but bright. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, bright calls for Camille and finds that he is gone. Um, And uh, Paul gets a headache. Uh, from everything and we learn we see that uh see judo is taking camille and fall away 
from Dublin to Glasgow. He's going to take them uh, essentially to Glasgow where they can get on a plane and get the fuck out or something along those lines. Um, so, yeah. Hayato says that the Federation government won't do anything about this the, this colony drop because it wants Earth's population to go down. So it's easier to feed people. And we've seen mentions about this before, basically the Federation being useless. We've seen yeah. uh, even in uh, original Zeta, the, 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 the Shar talk about like uh, people, the, the politicians on Earth uh, not being in sync with the colonies and that he thinks that mm-hmm. the, the politicians should live in space, like the people that they rule things along those lines. Yeah. Well, and, and Hayato is defending his opinion that they should not slow down for this because yeah, Judo saying, Hey, we need to you know be able to go and drop them off. And Hayato is, we can't slow down. And Judo's thinking, well, why isn't the Federation dealing with it? And so then Hayato is explaining they don't care. They're ready to let this happen. Yeah, as long as it doesn't affect them directly, who gives a shit? I think he even says, uh, uh, maybe it was Judo, it said, like, as long as there's fewer mouths to feed or something like that. Yeah, and I actually like the addition of the 0083 colony drop being in North America because in the world of the Universal Century, that is one of the world's, like, granaries, basically. Yeah. And so... I think that was a smart decision of somewhere somewhat harmless to drop it. That wouldn't affect the whole, you know, meta context of the earth and the, you know, double eighties of the universal century too, too much while also kind of tying into things like that, you know, that was obviously something that came after this. So maybe that was one of the things they thought about was it could be something that contributes to food shortages. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, now, uh, beach, uh, tackles, um, uh, somewhat mentally disabled guy <laughs> yeah camille like runs away uh really abruptly and beach tackles him and um uh he says that hayato should know about doing whatever is possible uh since he was on white base there was like just some back and forth basically people inferring that hayato is not like doing what he should do um Hayato finally kind of relents a little bit and allows Camille to take the plane with uh, Fa to get out. Um, they threw <laughs> they throw Camille in a Home Depot trolley. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah get, well, we've, got this for, we've got this for him. It's literally just a cart to <laughs> move crap. It's like throw his body on it, like roll him off. <laughs> Uh, he's like clearly walking fine. Like that's the <laughs> uh yeah, and then they throw him into Hayato's copter. <laughs> uh, Which and it, was right there. Yeah. It was a funny little scene. I don't think it was intended to be funny, but it was pretty funny. It it was on brand because this is Mondo that gets the cart. Yeah. Right. And this is just on brand for the Shangri-La crew. Like, hey, yeah. we have to move this guy. Get like one of those warehouse carts. We can get, we get this. Yeah. <laughs> they do it. They do it by whatever means necessary. Um, so Camille creepily looks out at everybody as he's in the helicopter and then uh, gives judo flashbacks about his sister and everybody else kind of senses it. Yeah. 
Uh, Judo also sees a vision of pull. Yeah. And everybody's like, kind of like, what the fuck just happened? And uh, Fa Fa basically is like, Camille connected with everybody. Yeah, Bright and Hayato were like, what's Camille trying to tell them? Oh, maybe the kids understand. (laughs) I don't think anybody understood. Except like Bright just got like an image of a KFC combo meal and he's like, is he hungry? (laughs) Yeah. We destroyed all the McDanielses. (laughs) Yeah, Camille's still going crazy. Uh, The end. Um, Yep. So we we get a view of the the colony and the colony has rockets strapped to it and is racing towards Earth. And now we finally get to see some Zaku 3s. This is the first time we get to see some Zaku 3s. I couldn't tell. It seemed like there was only one Zaku 3. It seemed like everyone else was in what, Dryzens? Yes. Yeah. But the Zaku yep. 3 is very pretty. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a suit that was basically so Neo Zeon had this stuff that's not in the show. Um, Neo Zeon had two competing designs for their next main mass production mobile suit it was Dovin Wolf and the Zaku 3. And the Zaku 3 lost. So, the ones that we do see are the prototypes that got made. Uh, but it was never in mass production like the one and the two, so much less ubiquitous. Um, but it is—it's big. I mean, this thing is almost twenty-four meters ground to head, which is six point four meters tall than a Zaku two, which is seventeen and a half. Uh, has a whole lot of armaments. Uh, the the mouth is now a beam gun, a couple of waste guns and beam sabers. Uh, Ultimately, I think it's really just sort of looks like the Neo Zeon remix on a Zaku. Like if you think about a Zeon uniform and compared to a Neo Zeon uniform, like there's much more that like 80s pro wrestling flair to it. It's like the same energy looking at the two to the three. It's it's getting much closer to like uh like the modern designs of the the suits that we see in and unicorn and stuff though. Well, the, the main suit that the sleeves were using, right. was a, was just a customized Zaku three, right. It didn't really change much. The, the sleeves were using everything. Sure. Like I do. Left, I do leftovers of everything. Zaku threes. Mm-hmm. And they had like added weird, like crotch arms to hold a beam saber or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, dude, the, the sleeves were like, they went, how can we sell every Xeon Grunt every mobile kit. suit model kit over again? We have a lot. Let's just go see what's in the warehouse, and we're going to put that in show. Yeah, I mean, the, the legs get a lot. A list. The leg armor gets a lot chonkier, and I don't know. I like it. If you if you have any spare sprues of just bitch, just let us know. We'll add it on right at the crotch. <laughs> the perfect place for it. Yep. So, um... Rakan, Dockerin, and his group are basically going to take the, the Zaku 3 and the Drysons, and they decide they're going to basically close all of the roads leading out of Dublin to ensure the maximum amount of death uh, possible with this colony drop. So, yay. Um, so they launch. Um, we then see a broadcast from Dublin that says the Federation denies the colony is falling. I just one note. 
I think uh, he didn't just say like he specifically said, "Don't kill him, lock him in, so that the colony can kill him," which yeah. is kind of even more fucked up. Yeah this this episode's like super Nazi episode. Like this is what the Decepticons do to Chicago in Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Just yeah. just saying. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, yeah, so uh, the Federation is denying that the colony is falling, um, but people are still trying to escape, and the roads are jammed out of Dublin. Um, and just as you see this, you see the news reporter in a helicopter f- flying around, reporting on things, and uh, then we see uh, Rakan's group merc the reporter and then blow up all the bridges that they can coming out of Dublin. Um, pretty fucked up. Uh, so Judo tells Poole that he could feel Camille's heart, and that's why he has to stop the colony drop on Dublin. So he is going to go out and save the world. Um, but you know, it's not the other hundreds of thousands of people that who might actually die that he has to save. It's Camille. Camille's sadness is what's. Listen, Camille had a, a whole 50 episode series right before this. He knows he knows what needs to happen. I need to save the other main character. Fuck the city's populations, right. but I got to save the other main character. Uh, so this this next part is unintentionally funny to me. Maybe I'm just not as much of a romantic or maybe it's just this is a terrible love story. I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with the latter. Yeah. Paul tells Judo at this point that she loves him. And he just sort of looks ahead with a faint smile. And he's like, well, you rest up and heal. I'm going to leave for a while. It, it felt I mean, this, like uh, this is it be felt strong like for Star Wars and Han Solo being like, I know. But <laughs> yeah, it had that same feeling. It gave me the feeling of, and Elaine will get this one in, in Xenoblade 2, there's a point where one of the characters confesses to the main character in like a dramatic moment, and he responds by going, you know, and like their whole party's around, and you know this isn't like the best girl main character, so you're like, what are they doing? And he goes, not waifu. I love you too, and all you guys. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, it's yeah. a dagger. That's a dagger. That's oh, that was, oh, my friend. yeah, yeah, yeah. My my notes for this little part right here are: Judo tells her to be strong for him. She tells him that she loves him. She's got a really cute cat pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice the cat pillow? Did any no. of you notice the cat I, pillow? Oh, you know, I think I did. I didn't write anything down about it, but now that you're talking about it, I, I it might have. Yeah, yeah. Attention to detail. I wonder if they. I wonder if they make that pillow. I'm sure they did at one point. It's probably seventy five dollars. Seventy five, dude. So you can get from, from from what is it? Premium Bandai. You can get like a pair of underwear for seventy five dollars. A pillow is probably going to run you like one fifty. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, Karaba is trying to, uh, affect some sea rescues. They've, they've sent in a bunch of ships. Um, and we learned that the Argama has taken command of the rescue efforts. 
um, from the Aldumla. Uh, the Gundam team launches to kind of assist with all of this stuff. Um, and they're trying to load people onto the, I don't know what we want to call them. I wrote Dodai's, but they're probably not, Dodai's probably no, not right. They're, they're, they are they're dice. Yeah. Uh, and, and another, I think, interesting part here is Bright saying, we have four hours, but you act like we have three. So we yeah. get we get a sense of the time that they have. Yeah. Yeah, I so think he made a comment about um, the, the waves it's going to make are going to be so big. Well, I mean, if you, if, if you think about it, if you go and look at the maps they wrote or they drew of uh, of Australia, the one in, in the one year war basically obliterated like the bottom right quarter of Australia. That would cause some crazy havoc. And, you know, it wouldn't matter how far away you are. I mean, think of think of like a nuclear bomb going off like in like some of these cities that they've gone off in Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Like they only took out square miles of like terrain a colonies that took out like a quarter of Australia, which is like one of the, you know, it's a huge continent essentially. That's, uh, we're lucky to have earth after that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, uh, where am I? Um, yep. So the Gundam team launches and they're loading people into Dodai's as, uh, at the airport as Xeon attacks. Um, Beach and Mondo and Rue go to intercept the, the enemy fighters. Um, and <laughs> oddly enough, they make a point to, to note that flights are being delayed from the airport. Yeah. There's another interesting part here where when the Aldumla starts to launch its GM threes, Hayato is telling them to get all these people out of the airport, including the Federation collaborators that we saw several episodes ago talking with Neo Zeon and such because he says they have proof of the Federation's treason. They have proof of the Federation's treason. So while you would think they'd be like, yeah, screw those guys, let them die. They want to more or less capture them. Yeah. Um, so Camille and Fa are trying to leave the airport from the airport, despite having had that helicopter, which they could have just flown off with. But I mean, they didn't plan that great. No, they didn't. They should have taken the helicopter. They like parked it at the airport and then went to go try to get on a plane. Was it like out of gas or something? I don't know. (laughs) No, because like Hayato was just going to use it. And he's like, no, no, I'll give it up. I'll give it up to you guys. It's fine. Here you go. Yeah. Um, So Camille senses danger uh, while he's in line. And and then Rakan close up an escaping rescue ship. Yeah. Uh, it's a it, boat with a red cross on it. Like yeah. it's very obvious. That's not something that's going to like fire missiles at you. Just start calling him Putin. Um, <laughs> a minister pushes Fa out of the way while, while complaining that they should have just gone to given side side three to Haman from the beginning. Uh, and basically says that, Everybody in Caraba is going to die anyways. Uh, but at least, as we hearken back to earlier in the episode, at least food will be cheaper after all these people are dead. Yeah, and they also comment about how he says, look, Caraba is going to give up after this, and then we'll just have to handle the AUG, and then we're, we're done here. 
I, I think he said they just have to finish breaking the back of the AU, mm. I think is what he said. Uh, and then it'll be all over. Yeah. So um, K- Camille runs outside of the airport yelling that the sky is falling. Um, Neo Zeon makes it to the airport and they are just blowing up the airway. So it's harder for these planes to take off. Um, but Judo makes it back in time to take out some of the Dryson. Um, Hayato gets in an ugly ass Dodai, um, and starts flying around and Judo saves Hayato from dying because he's pissed at Hayato because Hayato is basically like trying to intercept a, a Dryson knowing that he can't really do anything in a Dota to like effectively take it out. But judo saves him and is like, dude, don't throw your life away for this. Like there's more that you could be doing. Um, bright orders a retreat after this so that they can escape from the colony drop. Uh, but judo is unable to get back to the Argama in time. Um, they all head towards the Aldumla to help it. Uh, and are trying to form into the double Zeta when uh, Rakan c- closes in on Judo's core fighter. Um, so they're unable to form into the double Zeta. So right before he can hit Judo, Hayato hits uh, Rakan Zaku, uh, which which turns and just blows him away. Um, they're able to quickly turn into the double Zeta while Hayato crashes into the sea uh, and dies while talking to Kotz. And um, then Judo chases after Rakan, destroying some Dryson on the way, uh, while Camille runs after Judo, saying, not to cause any more misery as the colony begins to enter Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so uh, Hayato here gets one of the like most anticlimactic deaths of any of the like core white base crew yeah. original characters they yeah he kind of just the, the in a way it's almost ef- effective because of how i guess just fast and over it is and then everyone's still doing other things i mean it's in the middle of of, of a huge battle and the colony being dropped on the city so it's just kind of like this happens sorry we're still going like we still got shit to do in this battle I actually um, like he gets like sh- like he almost like kamikazes himself and then uh, he gets stopped and then he ends up getting shot later and then, like it kind of explodes and then cuts to him again after it like kind of blows up a little bit before he fully blows up and then it like blew up later and I was like is he dead I don't I had to I had to like go check I, like go I had to like reround and watched it again and I'm like did he actually did he die uh, I was like. Yeah, I'm entirely convinced that he was dead. Yeah, but the, and the, the other effect that this does have, though, is Judo does get really pissed. Yeah. And especially because Judo had just talked this guy basically into living. And we even see when Hayato is going down, he basically has lost control. He's, he wasn't trying to die at that point. Yeah. Um, and so it was like just as soon as he decided, oh, maybe living is worth it after all. It was like, oh, never mind. Um, you don't get that choice. Yeah. So I mean, Judo does get very pissed off, jumps on Bichimano's Dodai, can't quite hit it, but, he, you know, he's yelling at him. Um, and then, you know, we have the thing with Camille that you mentioned, and then Bright is telling the double Zeta, you need to get away from Dublin because um, they are running out of time here. And Bichimano are like, yeah, I mean, we would like to, but Judo is like hell bent on, I'm going to shoot down this asshole. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, Bright and everyone ordered Judo to retreat, uh, which he says he will not do until he's able to take out Rakan. Um, so right as they're about to, to cross blades, the world freezes and we get a picture of a giant nipple falling into Dublin. And Camille falling yeah, like, crying at the seaside. Yeah, it like bursts through and then impacts. And I actually was like not sure. I'm like, did they stop it or what? Because it kind of like hits and there's a flash, but then it just like kind of sits there. That's how it stays. Yeah. Yeah, right, it, right. Yeah. I just thought I was I was confused a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they did I don't think they ever I don't think they ever do a good job of explaining why it does uh, it did that. If they do, I didn't catch it, but I know, like, we'll talk about it later on, but there's a part where I think it's Bright sees it, and he's like, is the colony still standing? Yeah. Um, and he's, like, shocked to see it that way, and I mean, I, I felt. Yeah, I think something doesn't quite go right with the entry angle. I don't, they never really elaborate on it, but if you think about Operation British, when we see that come down, it's very clearly at an angle, like at a trajectory. And when you see this one, it's coming down like almost straight down and it's make, it makes you wonder, is that something I, I wonder if there's like an experiment that could be done on this, like, you know, grab yourself a, a, a can of, you know, a drink can and like some sand, right? Like if I drop it straight down, what does that disturb versus yeah. if I do it at an angle, does that increase the carnage because maybe Haman's goal is again, we know her goal is like the terrorism, take people's hope away and obviously a lot of destruction, but maybe that angle is on, this is just me talking. I don't know this. Maybe that angle is on purpose to limit just exactly how much carnage they cause. Right. Well, well again, yeah. If, if we go back to the one year war colony drop that took out a quarter of Australia. If you did that with this drop, you would effectively take out, Ireland, Scotland, yeah. Great Britain. Yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. whole island would be gone. Yeah. So I, I feel like this must have been on purpose to, it's almost like it stops its momentum. It makes a big shockwave, but it doesn't do the hellacious crater kind right. of thing. Yeah. I wonder if any other media actually addresses that. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in looking into that. Knowing Gundam, it probably does in a couple of places, and they give different conflicting answers. Yeah, that would make sense. Episode 36, Pull 2, Under Gravity. Um, so the episode resumes pretty much next step. Uh, it resumes with the colony just wrecking Dublin uh, and throwing the Gundam team around. Um, so like, it, again, it's not the utter destruction of, of everything like you had in Australia, but you know, things are crazy there. Um, but Rakan doesn't seem too phased and still wants to keep, uh, fighting and going against, uh, uh, judo. Um, uh, but in the midst well, of all he this, he should be happy. He did what he was trying to do. Yeah. But I mean, he doesn't even seem affected by all of the chaos. He's just like. Like he just sh flies up and like grabs the double Zeta and pulls it away. Um, and the Argama is forced to land uh, in all the chaos land in the water, but still land. Yeah. And it's, it's very damaged. Well, I guess damaged even more in 
when the view kind of clears up, that's when that's when you really see for the first time the colony sticking just bottom up out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So we flash over to Glimmy saying that now that the colony drop was a success, that Marshima must be happy with himself and Glimmy is even lower on the totem pole than Rakan is. Um, so this is the first hint, first of all, that Marshima was involved with this colony drop. I think there had been a mention maybe once before, but this is basically where we, we learned that Marshima was, and this is what Marshima was doing while he was gone, obsessing over his rose. Um, yep. And this will be confirmed for us in a couple episodes. So, yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, he says he is going to try to take out the Argama and the double Zeta to improve his status and all of this chaos. So he does not want to be at the bottom of the totem pole. He may not be able to get over Marshmallow right now, but at least he could take out the uh, Argama and the double Zeta. You know, he's basically sulking about it at this point. Sometimes Neo Zeon really feels like an episode of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, whichever one, right? <laughs> like they're like trying to do different things. And this is where Glammy's like looking at the camera. He's like, you know, Mashima and Rakan might have beaten me at this week's challenge, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take out the double Zeta and the Argama and slide into Haman. Could <laughs> take the condom off. Judo notices that the <laughs> colony is still standing and he's like, WTF, just like all of us. Um, but he also mentions that he can feel everyone's grief um, from all the death and destruction. Uh, and then Camille he, kind of... He, well, he kind of he kind of says that he's like, he kind of has like almost like a new type flesh kind of thing. And then it seems like he's kind of getting hit with waves of this, yeah. like, uh, of like the feelings of all these people who are dying. And you see him like break down into tears. Yeah. And Camille tells Judo that his anger at the situation is a good reason to fight, which is like a 180 from a minute ago in the last episode where he was like, don't kill Rakan. You're creating even more death and destruction. And now he's like, dude, you're pissed. You have a right to be pissed. You need to stop this. Maybe it's, he was just like, Oh wait, no, hang on. This is happening. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You, <laughs> Yeah, but Camille's not the most consistent himself with this, so I think it's on brand for Camille to be like, "No, I will, I'll spare your life," and then thirty seconds later, be like, "Never mind, I'm going to kill you." Well, we mentioned this before a few times. It's just like sometimes the authors of these things are just like, "Here's your chess pieces. Now write write your your story based off of the chess pieces you have." And the lot, well, you know, the last one was like, "Oh, Camille's like." loopy and he just you know he wants everybody to be happy because he can feel all the pain and pressure and the next guy's like and camille's pissed because everybody died he wants you to you fuck, fuck up neo zeon yeah anyway so yeah that judo now though is pumped up he's able to jump out of the way to avoid a shot from rakan they start fighting again and rakan's like whoa who's fighting spirit he's like whoa who's his power level increased yeah um and then we have Camille, like, so Camille, it's already shown him running. And yeah. now the next shot is Camille still running. We're going full on uh, forest Camille Gump in he, this episode. He's taking a jog on the beach. Yeah. Um, so Glimmy stares up upon the naked pole clone. 
and dubs her Pull 2. Um, Pull wakes up at the same time as her clone. Uh, Pull wakes up the same time that her clone is being summoned and senses bad vibes. Um, and then Camille and Judo sense the bad vibes too. Um, Glimmy wakes the clone up and she recognizes that she is on earth. She basically says, Glimmy, what's going on? How have you fucked up? <laughs> and not so many words. She, she says it a little bit differently. Uh, but she, she definitely has a different attitude than pull. And she knows that she's been summoned into a bad situation that uh, may or may not be somewhat Glimmy's fault. Well, so there's a little bit of a lead up to that though, with some repetition. Um, so pull when Glimmy initially wakes up, pull two. Pull feels a shiver, and then the with that one lady and Shinta and Cooper like, no, stay and rest. And pull says something foul is coming. Then we cut back to Forrest Gump, who is still running, and he trips over says something foul is coming and then he keeps running. Uh, and then judo even senses that chorus of something foul is coming as he's fighting Rakan. So they repeat that three times while there are other things happening. Uh, this, this is actually where he blows the Zaku three's legs off and Rakan flees and judo finally decides at that point, well, I guess I need to rendezvous with the others. Um, so then after all of that build up to something foul is coming, then we have Glemmy basically getting scolded by Pool Two, who's like, "Why, why, why'd you wake me up here?" <laughs> yeah. So, so Glemmy talks about taking advantage of this situation, and she's just like, "Dude, you just want to look good. Let's let's go murder everybody on the Aragama. It'll be a good workout for me now that I'm awake." She she basically says something like, um, "Don't pretend like this is like some big altruistic move on your part. You just want to look good, and you just just tell me that's what you want, and I'll help you." Yeah. Uh, so the Argama can't get in touch with the Aldumla or the Gundam team, so it takes off uh, from where it was, and we see Pull crawling through the hallway. Uh, and she's worried about the Argama being in danger. And she's trying to get to her Kubele. Um, We get a nice view of Pull 2, who is finally clothed, launching in the Psycho Gundam Mark II. Um, the Sandra and Glimmy are going to head towards Kilimanjaro to meet up with Ahman while Pull 2 does her thing. Um... The Gundam team notices that the Al finally notices the Aldumla and heads up heads to meet up with it. And uh, while they're heading towards the Aldumla, Bright is questioning Pool about the danger that the Argama is in. Um, she's like in a hospital bed on the 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 officer's deck now. Like it's really weird how they handled this, but. Well, so she like snuck out of her bed earlier and she was trying to get to her, like the mobile suit deck and then someone yeah. found her and she's like, get me to the mobile suit deck. I can help. And, and then it kind of cuts to her being here. So what I, what I think happened was she was like, I need to go get in a suit. And they're like, nah. And then took her up to the bridge. And so now she's yeah. like trying to help from the bridge. But she's like in a hospital bed in the bridge, which take the, the hospital yeah. bed takes up like half the bridge. Yeah. But we are about to find out why she's there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so she guides the Argama basically to see the Psycho Gundam coming from behind the colony. 
and um, they fire the mega beam particle cannon at the Gundam, and they just barely miss her, miss pull two in the Psycho Gundam. Yeah, of course, the other thing that they say is, like, Torres is saying they only have about half output, so it could also be a case of maybe it hit and didn't have enough power behind it to do anything. Yeah. Well, I think she, like, uh, pull two, like, reacted. She, like, she like saw it coming. She's like, wait, what the? And then I think she might have tried to move or something like that. Because it does end up hitting her like on the, I think they should say the right side. Just like partially destroyed, like partially damaged on the right side. Yeah, she definitely, she, it seemed like she might have taken some damage, but it wasn't super clear. But she was pissed. Well, I know. I know. Later on, there's a comment about like, "Oh, this side is damaged. If I can get around to this side, yeah, like that that comes up later." So I know she took some damage. Yeah. Well, she was she was pissed uh, about getting shot at. Um, pull launch. So pull disappears and just launches in the cubelay, uh, despite barely being able to walk. Um, and pull two is psyched but she mentions that she senses something strange. So neither of them, like pull two does not seem to be aware of pull one. Um, Glimmy probably just didn't mention. That. They, I think they realize that they are similar. Like that there's some, something going on. Like they feel like that new, they're both new types or something like that, but that's about they, the extent of it. They don't yeah, they do, they do later in the battle. They just, right now they sense that it's like a good fight, I think, or a good pilot or something along those lines. Um, so the Aldumla is not communicating with anyone and is slowly descending. So the Gundam team kind of gets on top of it and gets into this, gets inside uh, to figure out what's going on. Uh, while this is happening, Pull engages the Psycho Gundam, um, and the Cubelay at this point is wrecked. Like it is, I think it's missing legs and maybe an arm. It's, from it's definitely missing an arm. And when she took it, like the 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 maintenance guy was like, "Hey, we're still working on that," and she just like hops in and rolls. Oh, well, Astonage specifically says they were disassembling it, so they weren't even trying to fix it. They were using it for parts, taking it apart, probably trying to get intelligence on you know enemy mobile suit design. And then she takes it anyway. Yeah, it, it looks like it was on a dodi and it was missing legs and maybe one of the arms. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head if it was missing uh, one or not. Um, but yeah, so, um, they start battling and, uh, pull launches the bits of the Cubelay and the Psycho Gundam blows them all away. Um, and they just, they, they keep on doing this back and forth where they're basically attacking and encountering each other because they, you know, we know what, who they are. So they know how each other fights and it's very, it's a very instinctual battle, which they just basically, you know strike and parry each other. Right. Um, I think it's interesting here that the psycho Gundam is basically in box mode for most of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so pull keeps losing limbs and then, um, right as she's about to get, uh, blown up, judo shows up, hits the psycho Gundam and basically pulls pull away from the psycho Gundam a little bit. Um, when Pull sees the, the double Zeta, she goes full on cyan mode um, and transforms into the Gundam mode of the Psycho Gundam. 
Um, Judo tells Pull to retreat and go to the Argama so he can deal with this fight. Um, back to the Gundam team. They are in the Aldumla, and we see that it is mostly destroyed on the inside. Essentially, the whole um, bridge has been destroyed, and everybody's dead there. Um, but the citizens who are in the cargo hold are all there and um, are alive. Uh, yeah, we and they and they hear they explain that all of the Caraba crew were either on the bridge or they left in mobile suits to go yep. fight. Yep. So most of them are probably dead, even the ones that went to go fight. Um. Yep. So Judo is getting chased by the Psycho Gundams along the colony. They're kind of like fighting. They're like zipping in and out. Kind of reminds me of, again of the uh, Thunderbolt episode where they're like fighting in that one junky colony a little bit. Um, obviously the animation better in Thunderbolt, but it's still the same general idea. It's still good here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Psycho Gundam manages to grab the double Zeta with its retractable grabby arms. Um, but Judo uses some missiles on the double Zeta to damage the, the Psycho Gundam and pull away from it. Um, I'm sure it has more technical terms than grabby arms, but let's go with grabby arms. Wire guided. There we go. Uh, um, so judo runs out of beam energy as the psycho Gundam has, is shooting at him. Um, and he's basically cornered and pull basically gets right in the middle of, uh, the psycho Gundam and the double Zeta and goes full on Saiyan mode version, Saiyan three mode, uh, and just starts reflecting. No, she didn't lose her eyebrows. Uh, okay. Saiyan two mode. Um, no, our muscles don't get bigger. It's just, it's still just the first one. Actually, uh, no, her hair color doesn't change either. We're not, we're not going super Saiyan yet. All right. So she's just like charging up using her magic Saiyan powers. Um, and she just starts like reflecting laser attacks from the psycho gun. Um, pull tells pull to that. She is the evil version of herself. Basically the version of herself with all the worst instincts. Um, and pull two does not like this. And then pull decides to use the Kaioken attack to blow herself up and the psycho Gundam and fight me. It is the fucking Kaioken. Well, yeah, she, she turned red and got stronger. I mean, she's overloading the Saikamu and it glows pink. The Kaioken is more of a red hue. Uh, it would increase your power 10 times, five times over. I think it depends how many of them you stack on each other. The point is, she overloads the Saikamu, and uh, it's a pink glow. So, wrong again. Anyway. God damn it, this was a Dragon Ball Z writer. I'm convinced <laughs> of it. The person who wrote this episode fucking, like, binged Dragon Ball Z and was like, I'm going to go write this episode of Double Zeta. Didn't didn't this double Zeta come out like twenty years before that? No, not. 20. Oh no, no, they would have, they would have been pretty close. In Did Dragon Ball Z come out in the early nineties? No, is it that much older? It, it finished in the early nineties. <laughs> Let's see. I, I I'm I'm googling it just because I I want to know for sure. Yeah, first episode date was 1989. Oh, okay. So Man. this is still before it. Yeah. Wow, way older than I thought. No, I mean, it's only like two years before it. So, I mean, the guy could have gone from double Zeta to 
to Dragon Ball well, Z. D- Dragon Ball would have been yeah. on the air. Dragon Ball, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. I could see him like write someone writing Dragon Ball and like going home after work, watching Gundam and going, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Something tells me Akira Toriyama did not draw a lot of inspiration from Mecha, but okay. Uh, it's the fucking Kaioken. All right. So, um, yeah. So she blows the fuck out of the Psycho Gundam and herself. Um, and then the Psycho Gundam comes out of the smoke. And this is actually like probably one of the better animated things I think they, they've seen as far as like hand drawn art goes. The fucking Psycho Gundam is just like wrecked and like, yeah. The shell is out. You see the insides of it. Terminator style. Yeah. Like Terminator 2, like coming out of the lava. Like, yeah, that's the Psycho Gundam right here. But it is still moving. Um, And then Judo goes Super Saiyan as well and cuts the head off or is going to cut the head off when it starts flying off. And then when the head flies off, he cuts the Psycho Gundam in half. Yeah, but he also, so this big old yellow beam comes out of the double Zeta's beam saber. And first of all, it doesn't have yellow beams. It's beam saber. Second, he just tried to use the beam saber a few scenes ago and the suit was out of power. Yep. Um, So it's very much a, hey, if you love to hate new type magic bullshit, you by definition, have to hate this scene, right? Because it's a new type magic bullshit sword, and it's awesome. But he cuts the, the Psycho Gundam in half with it. He, he Yeah. Um, the, the head flies on its own. Um, it's like a mini version of, uh, what's, what's the Transformer? The Zeong. Oh, I was going to go with the Transformer. Yeah, yeah. From- There's a lot of those. Unicron, Unicron. Oh no, his well, his head gets blown off, but I mean that's a little bit different because like that's his actual head. If we think about heads that detach, there is a whole class of characters, the headmasters, that their heads come off. There we go. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So the head flies on its own, and and he glances. At, at, he like does this thing where he strikes at the face, and it kind of cuts like a little cut into it. And right as he cuts into it, he sees his pole too. And he just freezes because he's like, what the fuck? Uh, he was not expecting this. And so she's a- able to just fly and get away. Yeah. He says, Pull was killed by Pull. Yep. And uh, I, another interesting thing here, though, is right before this, before his attack, uh, Pull says to herself, like right when she ejects the head unit, that she says, Pull was inside the double Zeta's mind, is what she's thinking to herself. And double Zeta's mind is an interesting thing here. It's more of that implied biosensor making weird happens, weird things happen specifically with the souls of a dead girl. Yeah. Or soul of a dead girl. Yeah. So, Hey, it's, I think it's consistent with what we see in Zeta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the argument in the Aldumla land and water um, and brief, bright briefs everyone uh, on a, what's going on, and they say a prayer for their fallen comrades and the citizens of Dublin. 
Um, and we see black rain falling. Um, in, in, in other Japanese history, black rain was radioactive rain. Um, so after the bombing of, uh, specifically Hiroshima, the, the radioactive material uh, floated up into the sky and there was some storms afterwards and the black rain was what really fucked up and killed a lot of people. Um, just to make the end of this episode a little more depressing for you. Um, and uh, Camille falls in on the ground and gets a, a golden black rain shower. So He was running up until then. Yeah, he ran out of energy. He like, kind of collapsed. Yeah, finished his 5K. Yeah. And uh, hey, that's the extreme. That's the most extreme like challenge run there is, is run away from a falling space colony. Yeah. Um, also, we did see the colony does start to like break up. Yeah. After that battle ends. Well, I mean, it, it's taken some hits. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the Argama shot its beam cannon at it. Uh, Camille and the Psycho Gundam were falling or fighting. Uh, or not Camille, sorry, Judo and was fighting pool two in and outside of the psycho uh, of the colony. So yeah, that, that colony's uh taken some damage. Yeah. And if you stick around after the credits and it's your first time watching and you still haven't learned to not watch the next episode preview, this one's going to make you pay. It gives away basically the entirety of episode 37 in the next episode preview. So if you haven't learned yet, then you have not been listening to us. If it's your first time through, don't watch the next episode preview. Yeah, because you would have to listen to us in two weeks and everything would be spoiled. Well, if anyone's doing that, I look, I mean, I don't know why you would listen to us in the lieu of watching one of these shows. Oh yeah. So that, never, uh, never do that. If you're thanks, doing that, I guess, but don't do that. Yeah. We are not a superior form of media. No. All right. You guys got anything else with these two? No, but I think I'm a pretty superior form of media. I mean, I like seeing it's not you. Out there. How are your shrimp doing, by the way? That's a really random question. That, yeah. Uh, they're doing all right. I've got uh, shrimp and uh, uh, some tetras in there. They're doing all right. They're not breeding like I want. I remember that time at a gas station in South Carolina on a road trip. Somebody bought a probably the cheapest porn mag I've ever seen. It was called Shrimp and Grits. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that time where we went to an Arby's parking lot with solo cups and drank Johnny Walker Blue? Classy as fuck. (laughs) Real Shrimp and Grits moment there. Uh, I really like this pair of episodes. I think they're like, aside from like the randomness and no fault, no lead up from the, uh, the colony being actually dropped. I I think again, double Zeta shows how strong of a show it is here. Like the writings well done. Uh, There is a little bit of new type magic, but like it, it seems like it fits a lot better than like, if you talk about like the stuff towards the end of Zeta, where it was just like, random people getting random like superpowers all like Sirocco just like doing what he does. Like all the stuff seems to fit with the characters as they've kind of built them going forth. And I really like yeah. that about the show. Yep. There's a, 
if you were to just skip over, like, you know, watch the first handful of episodes and then jump over 20 or 30, you'd go, oh, whoa, what is, how can they do all this? What's happening? But as you watch it, it escalates and builds, I think, in a pretty smart way for the most part. Um, I've got some issue with a few of the things they do in upcoming episodes, but not a, not a whole ton. Uh, I I mean, there's, I don't, I don't feel like there's any Gundam show out there that perfectly executes from A to Z. No, I I mean, and it's the same with any other show that's out there, but like, it's it's a, it's just a characteristic of the series. Yeah. Yeah. You go into it knowing that it's going to be 90% good, maybe 75% good. And there's going to be some jank in there. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, the overall narrative is really good. And the, these, this pair of episodes, I think, are some of the better ones that we've, we've covered for sure. You know, I think Build Fighter's Battlelog gets it right from A to Z. <laughs> I mean, just it's a perfect, it's a perfect little it's... anthology of stories like helping the bear guys put to rest the souls of Gunpla whose parts were not used. That's fair. Good stuff. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Last chance, guys. For what? Before I finish the episode. Oh, no, you can finish the episode. All right. We will see you guys in two weeks. Thanks for following along. Uh, find us on Twitter at UtypeFlashPod and uh, on Reddit, wherever we post the stuff we post. Uh, until then, we will see you in two weeks. Thank you.